Hello and a warm welcome once again to the Exchanges Discourse podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gareth J. Johnson. We're a companion podcast to the interdisciplinary Exchanges Journal, which itself has been published since 2013 by the Institute of Advanced Study at the University of Warwick, and for which I'm the Editor-in-Chief. In each episode, we may be talking to authors who have published with the journal about their research, about their academic publication experiences, and also their advice for new authors. Alternatively, we might be focusing in on developments on the journal itself, or scholarly communications in general, or simply exploring guidance for potential contributors. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking once again with one of our past authors, so let's get to that. I'm joined today by, and I'm going to apologise ahead of this, I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, Mehdi Mohazri. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Mehdi Mohazri. It's the actual pronunciation if you want to know. <laughs> I recently finished my PhD in education at Monash University, Faculty of Education. And I'm working on the kind of impact of language learning and identity. Mm-hmm. That's the main, main focus. How learning a new language is forming and shaping the identity that you have. For mm-hmm. example, you can speak English beside that you can speak French or other languages. In my case, we are um, focused on Iran and Iranians are learning English because English is a politicized language in Iran. Mm-hmm. There is a discussion of globalization and how hegemony of English is imposing the culture, which is not favored by Iranian and Islamic religions. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of clash in policy. And I'm trying to find out how learning a new language is forming the identity that Iranian are forming now, mainly teenagers and young generations, because they are a huge fan of English, not just the language, everything from outside the country. So English is a medium that they, they can connect to culture beside what they have already, which mm. is Islam and everyone and Iranian culture. That is really interesting. I mean, I have a slight bias here that I'm a cultural specialist myself, so it's a, that sounds really interesting stuff there. How did you get into that area? You know, what sort of led you to it? My master was about culture. I'm very interested in culture. I like to learn about cultures, different cultures, any form of culture. I like, I love traveling. When you go mm. traveling to different places, I started this. Uh, I started with my master degrees. Mm. Uh, when I was doing my degree, and I went. I studied the impact of uh, watching film, teaching with media, mainly mm. film. And I wanted to see how watching a movie is kind of impacting on uh, students' learning. Beside that, I could see that there are cultural notes and I, I kind of, that research lead me into studying about culture and value of culture and what is culture in education. Mm. So it was instigation and drive. my master's degree drove me to that area and I still I'm in that path. And talking with my current supervisors and discussing and forming a better understanding of culture, reading more literature. So still, I'm in the beginning of this area, mm. but trying to delve into it and uh, become better, mm. do, more, do more. Yeah, it sounds like a really rich area. And one of the reasons we've got you on today is because uh, you were one of the authors of a paper that was a teacher's autoethnography. I will confess I'm an ethnographer myself. That's my kind of research um, interest. So I was excited by the paper to start with. And then I read it and I thought this is one of the most exciting papers we've had in exchange for quite some time. So that might be my own personal bias, but actually I thought this was genuinely because the, the, the tales it was telling, the, the scholarship that was in there, 
I just, this is just so resonant. It's so powerful. I was delighted to have it in the journal. Paper started by kind of talking, uh, the conversation started between me, uh, Samran, and the other author, and Kamal. Kamal is the main author. And the person he narrated his lifetime in mm. our uh, article. Uh, I visit, I normally visit Piranshad because my friends are there. So it's a, uh, it's a border city, as we described mm. in the article. I went to a camel school and I watched him and I could see how interested he is in teaching. I talked to him and he told me that he is interested in publishing, he is interested in writing and he's interested to do his PhD. Uh, we talked and I said, what, oh, what are you interested in, what you want to do? And after learning about his background and difficulties that he had experienced in life, and I could see that he is, his motivation is kind of driven from somewhere else. It's not just it's intrinsic it's not like mm. uh, going to school and learning from school there is some kind of inherent from childhood background so and one area of experience was important for me because i know what is the meaning of and i try to <laughs> i'm guessing what i know that i'm the meaning of experience because it's a vast area so we talked and we discussed and after that we developed the ideas and using john Dovey's experience because of the impact of experience and childhood experience, how they are accumulating and how they are forming the mindset. They are more, uh, because we are being, we are, we are working on identity. Identity doesn't, is not fixed, is not stable, mm -hmm. but changing over time and gradually improving it by communication. Currently, my identity would be different after having this podcast with you because I'm going to learn so many things from you. That's evolve and growth that people are experiencing. Mm. So after talking to Camel and learning about his experiences, we talked and we developed the ideas and we put them together, put ideas together and we managed in a kind of narrative ethnography. Mm. And that's how we developed the idea because his experience was unique. Mm. Uh, the experience that I'm not sure if we can find a teacher with that kind of mm. harsh <laughs> childhood growing up and being still interested in teaching yeah. and finding teaching as a salvation, mm. kind of saying that, okay, I had this difficulty, I experienced this life experience, now I want to help others to not, or broaden mm. their horizon or experience better. Yeah. Been rewarded, I have to say that you know the, the paper is one of our most accessed and downloaded papers of that issue as well, which I'm really pleased with. That there's, there's recognition that this is an exciting paper. Well done to the three of you, and particularly Kamal, I have to say, because what, what a life, what an experience. <laughs> so, I unfortunately lost his mother before the paper becomes online, so that's a sad no. that he lost his mother. So. I'm sorry to hear that, that's, that's very unfortunate. Parents are pillars of our household in Iranian culture. Mm. So they play a key significant role in households and in upbringing of children. And imagine a kind of childhood upbringing raised by a single mom. So that mm. shows how the relationship between Kamal and uh, his mother. Mm. So obviously we've, we've, we've talked a bit about this paper. Are you working on anything else at the moment you're planning for publishing? Uh, not, not, not to give anything away, obviously. But, you know. <laughs> uh, yes, I, one of my papers is going to be out in a couple of days, I guess, tomorrow. Oh, excellent. <laughs> it's going to be out in issues in education, educational research. It's about the same city, Piranshar. Mm. It's not some run about the city and how I talked about the impact of globalization. Because Piranshah people speak Kurdish at the same time, Persian is the official language of the country. 
and the government is imposing the language on people to speak Persian in education. But people are interested in learning English, so I wanted to see what is it, how people are navigating the path in this kind of power relationship between mm. globalization in one hand and as government in on the other. So how people are navigating the path in learning, and what is driving them to learn. So we went to the city we watched, and we could see that okay, there was a big clash between these two powers, and still globalization or. Kind of localization in the other world because people are, are driving from inside, mm. not outside pressure that moves Iranian to go and learn English. Just inside, which is driving them. the economy, bad economy. Because we talked about kind of job which is known kulbah. Kulbah means people who carry uh, heavy loads from borders mm. illegal because of bad economy in the region. And so, this these are just basic motives for Iranians to learn. And uh, English as a language, which is going to kind of give them, uh, you know, in borders or Norton's investment or different theories, they talk about these things. So, how do you think English is going to give them kind of guarantee a better future? Mm. They find this as a kind of motive to drive them to learn English. So, we experienced and uh, we witnessed this in the society. Another one is about the it's going to be out in February. Mm. Uh, that one is about higher education, the difference between English language and uh, lower education and higher education, because mm. there's a big gap. Government is managing the lower education, but ignoring the higher education because of it's kind of goes into nature ESP, English for specific context, uh, purpose. So, but that's ignoring kind of puts a gap between these two levels. Kind of micromanaging lower education, going and publishing books, doing so many things, mm. or kind of curtailing the education from age of uh, for primary schools, mm. but imposing it to, uh, but letting it go in higher education because it's a technical error. So we try to find a gap and uh, analyze this gap with Sandra. I have a, a few more. Uh, it's really good to hear you've got a whole sort of, you know, almost strategic aims here getting quite a good few publications out here but they seem very quite diverse as well which is quite exciting you're not doing the old salami slicing approach of well actually it's the same sort of topic we're talking about here these sound really diverse just hearing about those couple of papers have you though yet i mean obviously you're kind of you know fairly sort of new on your scholastic journey i mean have you yet had any kind of horror stories of publishing or sort of bad experiences today or has it all been easy plain sailing uh it's never easy to be on a public especially if uh, it's always is time dependent you need to yeah. be patient you need to wait that waiting is killing yeah but a lethal experience, it was my mistake. I made a mistake and I didn't read, I didn't follow the clear instruction of the journal because mm. the journal needs to be blinded. And I forgot to, I had a sub citation and I forgot to remove, it's only one, oh. and I forgot to my name. This, uh, my work with other people, yeah. I forgot to take one out. And uh, after kind of less than one hour of submission, it got just rejected. I communicated with the editor and I said, why? Wow. I said, okay, you didn't do that. And after that, was kind of, I, I, I'm happy that he did it just in less than one hour. I didn't yeah. wait for a month. Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get rejection. You know, that was kind of embarrassing for me. Mm. I was thinking, oh, what? <laughs> it's a learning experience. 
it's not the area you're going to make again another time, which is fantastic. And that's perhaps a good bit of advice for any sort of early career scholars listening here. You know, do read those journal instructions. Some journals are very picky with them. It has to be said. Some like exchanges are a little more, a little more laid back about them. We would probably have made the correction ourselves if we sent it out for peer review rather than bouncing it back to you. So. That's it. So, I mean, conversely, I mean, you, have you had some good experiences in publishing so far? I mean, have there been some moments where you go, this is this is great. This is how it should be. Uh, actually, yes, the one that we published with you, it was amazing because oh, right. there, was okay. <laughs> there was communication because mm. maybe because I knew Roy, the editor, mm. and he had connections before and I could reach him through email anytime that I wanted or he could reach me anytime. And I feel that kind of communication made mm. it for me uh, to know which stage we are and what we are doing and what's going to happen next. That clear path was kind of good experience for me mm. because everything was a stage and you knew what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And that makes it easier and kind of less burden. You know, publishing is always time consuming and you need to, you are always worried about, okay, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. What's next? Mm-hmm. How long is it going to take? So, but having a good relationship or communication with reviewer or editor mm-hmm. kind of facilitates that. Well, all kudos to Roy, who, who, who obviously did put all the effort in there, and he's he's an excellent editor. I mean, he's he's really good, and he was he was championing your paper as well to me. So that's always a always a positive sign. If the editor loves it, I'm I'm excited about it too. I'm going to close then with asking my traditional question, which is, you know, what's that one piece of advice you'd give to authors who perhaps haven't yet published anything, but are getting to that point where they're thinking about that first paper? What's the one bit of advice you'd want to pass on to them? You know, there are two different strategies to publish. One is that you write something that you have in your mind and go and find a journal for that. Mm-hmm. But the other one is just go read the journal and find what they are publishing and go and write for that. So I think you need to find that clear. You need to make your mind what mm-hmm. you want to do. And now I, I, I find myself in this kind of position that I read the journal after because I have sets of knowledge now. Mm. I know what I want to work on. but at the same time, I have the big picture. Mm. When I have the big picture, I go and read the journal and trying to find a relevant journal. After reading several journals, I say, okay, this one matches, this one matches, this one, this one, and this one. I pick one that I want to aim for and set my uh, writing based on that. This mm. kind of it helps me to not waste my time because mm. sometimes you're writing more than, and then you have to edit it because you need to cut down words or you need to add more references or do a different kind of style. So having this big picture, but finding a relevant journal kind of helps to facilitate and makes it smoother. Mm. So it's easier. And I think it's uh, because when you're writing based on the scope of that journal, it's easier to get accepted. Mm. So that's my suggestion to have the big picture, Mm. go and find a journal that you want to work before starting to write. You should have a clear journal. You should know this is a uh, journal that I want to publish in. That's excellent advice, and I absolutely agree with you there on that one. In which case, I'm going to say thank you, Mehdi, for coming on today. It's been fantastic talking to you, hearing about your research and your publishing, and uh, I can only wish you all the very best for the future. Uh, Thank you very much for having me, and it's a pleasure. Thank you. And my thanks for my guest for coming in to talk with us. And our next episode, we've got another of our past authors coming to chat. For now, though, I am Dr. Gareth J. Johnson, and I've been your host for this Exchanges Discourse podcast. 
Now, if you wanted to find out more about the journal, there's a link in the episode description. Or you can find us easily by searching for Exchanges Journal Warwick. If you'd like to get in touch with a question about the podcast, or to discuss a potential submission, or indeed anything else, you can always reach me via exchangesjournal at warwick.ac.uk or via Twitter as exchangesiaS. Thank you for listening, and please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to catch every new episode.